it's recognizing itself, it's, it's looking at itself and realizing if for the first time maybe its own soul quality, its own soul essence of the divine love that it is. And, and as it's coming into that, it's also becoming aware of the divine love, that manna, that spiritual food that is ever falling from God down to all of us to partake. And if we will just partake of it, we will have divine life. We will have life eternal. We will have the food that will nurture us where we hunger no more. And so when I saw this, you know, I saw the upper country as it's called. I saw the sky that still will appear where you will see the sun blazing above you. That is God ever calling you ever upward towards it in the realms of spirit. I saw the beautiful food from God that is love coming down and nurturing the soul that it's awakening into its own self. And it's interesting that Brian even tonight in his meditation was talking about the river of love and enter back into the river of love, stand on the river of love. And that's what this is. This is the river of love. And it's just that that we want to enter into. You know, Rumi said, be aware, stand by the river of love and drink from it. Drink from it is to partake of that spiritual loving. And here the soul has ridden or, or moved along that river of love, giving God love and receiving God love back in that same flow of the river. And has risen up to the very top of that river now to the realms of soul above all that is of the realm of matter and has come awake unto itself as soul. That's how I saw it when I first saw it. And I just stood there, and we walked away, and I said, I think we're going to go back and buy that. And he said, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure enough, the next day I went down and got it for us. So we'll hang it over here, and it'll be something that you can come in and look at and contemplate, and maybe once in a while just get reinvigorated, reintouched, and touched with your own essence by just sitting and being with this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you all got us what you got out of it. I mean, it's wonderful what you all shared, the sound, the upper room, the soul awakening. And I, I love what you said about the swan is aware of something between the wings. What is that? It's really waking up to its own divine loving. And it's wonderful when you realize you as soul can fly. Really and truly, you can fly. You can fly anywhere, you can fly any time. And really, you can fly in the human form or you can fly as a swan, as the soul that you are in the realms of spirit. And it's a wonderful feeling to just have that freedom to fly and to know that there's nothing down below that is anchoring you or pulling you back down. That's when you're in the realm of spirit that you feel that, not here. You feel a lot of stuff called karmas, lessons unlearned, you know, all those things down here that are ever 
like an anchor trying to pull you back down. But in truth, they're nothing. They really are nothing. And, you know, and, and Lee probably can talk to this a little bit because he used to work in a zoo. But there really is a thing with elephants where at, at an early age they uh, put a chain around their, their ankle and, and hook it to the ground and they know that they can only go that far and then they, they stop after a while. They stop trying to, to go further. They stop trying to pull away. And as they get older, really all it takes is just a little tiny rope or a string even to just have them feel that and they know that that's as far as they can go. And it doesn't even have to be tied down. They'll just stay in that same circle because of their training. And that's kind of how our karmas are. They really don't hold us in, in suspension. They don't hold us in place, but we believe they do. And so when we only go as far as we think they will allow us to go. But if we will just allow ourselves to believe beyond the length of that rope that is our karmas, we can go into these realms of spirit, into these higher regions, and really experience the truth that's there. In my meditation tonight, it was very interesting because um, I was thinking about this painting and thinking about what you all might experience. And, and as I was just moving in that, I began to see each of us as the, the divine spark. And then that divine spark turned into these beautiful drops of water. But each drop, each droplet was like a lake unto itself. It was a beautiful lake. And as I watched and the lake began to be aware of its own self as a lake, and the consciousness was waking up into the divine self, it began to merge into the spiritual teacher and began to realize itself in a greater lake. And this continued to happen, this merging of these droplets of water into the greater one, until finally it merged back into God. And from there it merged back into the ocean of love and mercy. And there it was one with all from the very beginning to now and through all time. And that is what I want you to experience. When I was a child, I used to call it that place beyond God. And, and I know it's there, and I know it exists, and I know that's where we came from, and that's where we're going. And I know right now that's where we really are. And all I'm here to do is to assist you in waking up in the knowing of that, that you are like droplets of water in this divine ocean of love and mercy. And that it's for each of us to, to realize our oneness in that, our place in that, and be aware of the movement of loving in this divine ocean. And to just let go of all the illusions that we have gotten caught up in and allow ourselves to truly wake up and be in that divine flow of the ocean of love. So... I just wanted to share this painting with you, and we'll go ahead and hang it up a little later. If you want to go ahead and just set it back over on, on the wall now. not Maybe not hang it right now, but I guess we can try to hang it real quick. I came in today, and I moved some things around, and um, so we could put it here.
And I guessed where I at the where to put the hook, so we'll see if that's going to work. I think it will. I don't know if it's straight. No. Nope. <laughs> I can't tell this close. This way? Okay. Which way? Okay. So I almost want to get a spotlight for that painting. <laughs> You know, sometimes images like that can say more in a moment of just looking upon it than a thousand words, a hundred thousand words, because it can invoke from within us uh, an inner truth, an inner knowing that we just need to relax into and let it come to the surface. And really that's what we're doing in meditation, is we're, we're moving beyond all that that is of this world to get in touch with that essence of our own true nature so that it can begin to reveal itself to us and, and be more the dominant presence in our lives. When we as souls begin to wake up, we realize how much the mind and the emotions and the body are really a trap and how much they have encased us. They've just encased us like a great shell that holds us in place, holds us, the soul, in place and doesn't really allow the soul to rise back up to its own true nature, which is in the realms of spirit. And it's for each of us to find a way to just relax as, as we are right now. Just move into that place of acceptance of how life is and how you are, how I am, and just be. And in that place of acceptance and beingness, you will begin to find your way beyond the mind, beyond the emotions. If you sit in your meditation or if you go through the day and you try to figure out your mind and you try to make sense of the mind and you try to work the mind so that you get free, you're going to find that the mind's grip just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Have you ever experienced that in meditation? You sit down and you begin your meditation and it's going real good and then the mind just starts going and you can feel the vice just closing in, going, you're not going anywhere. Who do you think you are? I'm, I'm in charge here. You've got to listen to me. Don't listen to anything else. That sound doesn't mean anything. That light doesn't mean anything. Don't pay attention to that. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. You're mine. And that's what the mind does. We have to relax and just allow that conversation to go on, but ever holding to that true essence that is soul. Just as I described it earlier in my meditation, it was a little drop of water first. It looked like a little drop of water. And yet the drop of water really was a beautiful lake. And that lake is the soul. And it is for us to wake up into that quiet lake and begin to realize that there is God right there. It's right in the middle of that which we call the mind, the realms of matter, right there where the soul resides trapped. That's where God is. And we can begin to get in touch with that. 
there's a saying, I, 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 I was talking to a Russian Orthodox priest years ago, and um, we were going through a church, and we were looking at all the icons, and I, I knew the story about how icons came about, which was that they used to, the, the monks, the people that were hermits, both in Egypt and later on in, in Russia, when they would go into a cave, they would draw an eye on the wall, and they would just sit and stare at this eye until they became one with the energy, with the essence of that eye. And it is from that focus on the eye that then later became two eyes and then later became the icon like this over here. But they would still focus on an eye and go into the essence of the eye of an icon as well, just like that one there. And I, the, there was a, a, a priest taking us through this church. And I, so I asked him about the icons and the eyes. And he said, oh, why do you ask about the eyes? And I said, well, I've heard something about why icons were even painted and about the eyes being the center of focus. And he said, yes, if you can focus on the eye and truly hold your attention there, you will go into a great lake. And in the middle of the great lake, you will find God. And that's the truth. That's the truth. But it's not necessarily sitting in front of an icon and looking there for that. It's looking here at this spiritual eye. It's connecting here and finding that place where that spiritual drop, that spiritual essence, that lake inside resides. And going to the very center of that lake, you will find God. And once you find God, the mind cannot hold you here. The world of matter cannot trap you. Because that which is God here is going to return home from which it came. It is just looking for a way to free itself from its entrapment so that it can return. The soul is like a helium bloom, ever ready to fly upward into the sky. It is ready to fly upward back home into the heart of God. But it first has to break its tether. It has to break that bond that holds it here so that it can rise up, it can return back from which it came. And that's what we're doing in meditation. Every day when we sit in meditation, we are ever freeing ourselves from those bonds of this creation. We are connecting back into our own true essence, back into that essence of God divine in us, and letting go, not giving attention, not giving focus, not making most important the mind, the emotions, the creative imagination, the body, or anything else. And I say anything else because there's so many other parts and entanglements involved in all that. And so it's to let go of all that is of the realm of matter and just be. Be for a moment. And if you can move into that beingness for just a moment, you begin to break free. And the world as it exists in you and around you, begins to crumble. It begins to crack. And you begin to find your way through those cracks. And you begin to find you, the soul, begin to find your freedom from the mind, from all that is of the realms of matter. 
and the soul can begin the journey back home. And it's a wonderful journey. It's a wonderful journey. And when you begin to wake up in the upper kingdom, in the upper region, in the upper country, in the upper room, you begin to realize how wonderful a journey it really is. But until then, the journey seems hard and difficult, mean and cruel, both for yourself and for those around you, it seems, because you're witnessing it only through the physical construct of things. And you're aware of it through a place of limitation and confinement. And it's very finite in how we view life here and experience here. But once you begin to center into that which is the divine essence within and begin to move beyond these limitations and beyond the realms of matter, you begin to see how beautiful all this really is and how it's serving each and every one of us as we move through this creation to come into the greater knowing of our own divinity. And as we come into the knowing of our own divinity, we, in a sense, are waking up God more and more into the knowing of God's self. We are God asleep, and it's for us to wake up. And God will allow us to stay asleep in this creation as long as we want to stay asleep. But eventually, one day, one lifetime, somewhere, you will begin to wake up. And you may rebel against the awakening because it then puts all these responsibilities on you. All of a sudden, you're responsible for your reactions and your actions, your thoughts and your feelings. And it's up to you to create what you want in your life and not wait for another to do it. And yet, that is how you begin to break free is to take responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings, for your actions, for your reactions, for your creations, and begin to bring everything into balance and into harmony, into that place of neutrality, to where you can begin to rise up above this creation. If you live a life caught up in polarities, positive and negative, right and wrong, then you are ever swinging back and forth on this pendulum of time and space, and you are trapped here by that action. And it is ever moving, bringing you back into action and reaction, trapping you more and more. It's almost like watching someone take on a weaver's, I don't know what you would call it, what is the instrument that a weaver uses? A loom, where they're just ever pushing back and forth, creating this cloth. That's kind of how it is. We're ever swinging back and forth, back and forth, weaving for ourselves this beautiful tapestry of karma, these unlearned lessons, these experiences that seem to trap us here. And it's for each of us to begin to just pull all that apart, but not pull it apart in anger or in frustration, but just to let it come apart. No longer give it the energy where the thread is tightened, but let it relax, let it come loose until it just does fall apart. And the way you do that is not to focus on the cloth or on the weaving of the cloth or on holding it in tension. Do you feel that tension in your own life every day when you get up and you have to go to work or you have to confront somebody in your life 
or you have to deal with more responsibility. That's the tension that tightens the, the rope, that tightens the thread, that keeps everything tight in that, that tapestry that you've woven. Relax it, let it go, and it begins to come unraveled. And the world falls apart right out from underneath you. But what's left is you, the pure essence of you, the truth of you. Does that all make sense? So, when we were meditating, and I was going through this process of the return of the drop of water back unto itself, in the full knowing of itself, as the pure essence of loving from God, and it returned back into its own spiritual teacher and oneness, and then the teacher took it back into the essence of God, back into soul, and on up, I realized that that's all that we are here to do. Not myself and Brian, but we together in this creation are here to do, is to wake up. To wake up into the oneness. And to continue waking up into the greater oneness, and into the greater oneness, until there is no more oneness to wake up into. And that place has been called by many different names, by many different teachers. Wonder of wonder. The place unspeakable. The place beyond sound. The place where all began and returns. The living essence. And so many other names that has been given. And those are all just words. Because there is no way to really describe what this is, this place beyond God that I've always talked about since I was, I don't know how old, six, seven years old. This place beyond God, this place where God came from and knows so well and is a manifestation of this place beyond God, this undifferentiated, unmanifested, pure essence of spirit and loving. That is where we came from and that is where we're returning. If we can begin to, in our meditation, just truly focus on that river of loving and allow ourselves to get caught up in that flow of love, to get caught up in the current that the river has and just move with that flow. I remember one time Brian describing an inner experience, and I hope this is okay for me to share. Is it? Okay. <laughs> and he was listening to a boat coming by in his meditation, and this boat was on a river, and then all of a sudden you got on the boat. Is that right? I was actually in the boat already, and it was going up the river. Oh, and he heard the motor. And to be able to be on that river of love and be traveling upward and, and towards God, and to hear the sound current that is that river of love, because the audible life stream, that which we are listening for and listening to in our meditation, is the river of love. 
And it is that audible life stream that is the movement of grace, that is the Holy Spirit. And if we will just allow ourselves to not focus on the mind or anything else below it or a part of this creation, but just to relax and to be and to listen and to hear that river of love, that sound current, that audible life stream ever calling us back home, we too can find ourselves in the current, in that movement of love, just carrying us upward. And as it's carrying us upward, we can also be aware of that current that is coming from behind us, that is God's loving, coming to serve us, to work with us, to nurture us, to feed us, and to carry us even further. And so it is in the giving that we receive, and it is in the receiving that we can move forward along this river of love, back home from which we came. So allow yourself to listen, to truly listen for that audible life stream, to hear the sound of God, to hear God calling you home. And God will call you by name. Each soul has a name. It's the name of God that dwells within each of us. And all we have to do is listen and we will know who we are. And we will know we are on the way back home to God from which we came. And my joy is to watch somebody truly all of a sudden inside see the river of love, hear the river of love, know that essence and that movement of the river of love, and to begin to go with it. And I don't want to say frustration or sorrow or anything else, but there is, a, there is something in me when I see somebody standing on the edge of the river of love and watching it go by but never go in. They never allow themselves to participate in it or partake of it. They just stand and watch. To me, that is a little sad because they're not willing to risk. They're not willing to step into their own divinity and into this movement of liberation, this movement of freedom. And yet I know as I'm going on this river and I see these souls just standing there waiting, just standing there watching, I know one day they will enter into that same flow as so many others are. But it isn't now. It isn't their time. And yet there is this part of me that longs to just bring them all in. And... I remember as a child, as I would move along this river, ever trying to reach out, trying to grab a hold of them, <laughs> to try to pull them in. I thought, well, I can pull them in, and then they'll be in the river, and they won't have a choice. But I could never reach them. I mean, they looked like they were just right there, but I could not reach them. I could not touch them. And I realize now it wasn't for me to do. And so God was making sure that there was no way that my essence could tamper with them, mess with their experience. They have their own experience to live. And that I found for myself in this lifetime is very important to remember. We may have family members that really have a different course of life to live than we. We would all love them to have the same motivation of God, of spirit, of meditation, of a simple life, of a loving life, of a forgiving and accepting life. 
but they may have other things to experience first before they're really ready and willing to step into this river of divine love and to go with it. And so you may see them walk right up to it and they'll just hesitate and they'll pause and they'll wait. And then they might even stray back off from the river for a while and go back into other experience. And then they might be attracted back over here because they, they see something or they see other people coming this way so they themselves follow the group for a while but they just won't go into the river. And it's because it isn't their time. There's a time for each and every one of us to return home. And it's really in God's time, not ours. And so we have to be patient with ourselves and we have to be patient with others. And allow each and every person in, in our lives to walk their own path and to have their own experience and allow them the freedom to do that. Even if we watch them move into a place of severe danger for them physically or emotionally or mentally, allow it. You can give them words of understanding and guidance, but you're going to have to allow it so that they can enter into their own experience. I myself experienced that with my niece when she was in a battered relationship, a battering relationship where her husband used to beat her and no matter, no matter what words were shared in conversation with her from me, from her brother, her father, or anyone else, she just couldn't hear it. She just couldn't hear it. And I realized that she just had to walk her own experience. That this lifetime, that's what this lifetime was about, is this experience. And until she had that experience complete, she couldn't go on to what was next. And that's true for each of us. We have to complete our own experience to go to what's next. And if spirit is what's next, then we have to first complete a lot of things at these levels and allow ourselves then to move into that greater freedom. So be aware that if you're sitting down and you're meditating and you're on the path of light and sound or you're contemplating moving in that direction, that this river of love is ever-present for you as it is for everyone else. That audible life stream is ever right there in the very center of our being. It's always present because that is the essence of life that keeps all of creation, both in the realms of spirit and here, in motion and in, in beingness. If that river of life, if that river of love, if that audible life stream were to become silent, all creation would come to an end. It is the flow out of the audible life stream that all life comes. All that that is essence of loving, divine, that is in manifestation for experience would come to an end. It would just be withdrawn back up into the realms of spirit and these realms would be no more. And even the realms of spirit would become quiet. And all the essence of the realms of spirit would be drawn back up into the very center of God. And God itself would be drawn back up into this wonder of wonders, this place most sacred, this place so unknown and yet so knowable. 
And that's what will happen one day when it is deemed time for that to happen. But right now, it's for you to look and see if it's time for you to begin that journey. The sound is calling. The light is pulling. It's for us to begin to go inside and to follow that inner pathway and to begin that inner journey once again back into God through meditation. So many times I've heard other teachers share and I myself have shared with people who've asked questions out of books. Well, so-and-so has written this. What about this? Well, I've read and understand and I'm practicing from this book these things. And it's usually about the mind quality and it's about outer focus of doing. And in truth, the only way home is to go inside. Back in 1983, I gave a talk. The only way out is in. And that is a statement I heard when I was a child. And I really didn't understand it at first. I heard it in one of the schools on the inner levels. And it began inside of me this, under, this search for an understanding. What does it mean the only way out is in? You know, and I was thinking of it physically. The only way out is to come in here. The only way out of what is to go in where? And then I realized when I was in my prayers every day that the only way to get a body was first to go into my body. I had to go inside to go out. And then all of a sudden the answer was there. The only way out is in. Well, if you really want to begin to travel the inner kingdom and have these inner journeys, it's not by picking up a book and focusing outside and keeping your eyes open and caught up in the world of polarities. It's go inside and find that place of singularity, that oneness, that point of oneness. Go in to go out. And so I invite you to every day not spend time reading a book, not spend time listening to tapes, not spend time going out to find the answer in the world, but go inside, connect inside, so that you can truly begin that inner journey. That's where the inner sounds are heard. That's where the inner light is seen. Your inner light. The inner light of God that dwells within you. You'll never see it out here. But what's wonderful is, once you've heard the inner sound, once you've seen the inner light, you can go into the daily life with your eyes open and you can still hear the sound and you can still see the light. And sometimes I hear the sound in other people's voices as they're talking and sharing. And sometimes I see the inner light in the people I'm with coming towards me. It's their inner light reflecting or coming towards me, but it's also my inner light. We're one and the same in that place where the light resides. And it's a wonderful experience to see that and to know that. But it's found first inside each one of us. Just as that priest, the father at the Russian Orthodox Church said, if you can go into the eye, you'll find a great lake. And in the center of the great lake, you will find God. 
Well, this is the eye, and the lake is that divine essence, that soul, that drop of water that came out of the ocean of divine love and mercy that you are. Go into the eye, find that lake, go to the very center of the lake, and you will find God. And once you've done that, the outer journey begins. And the outer journey is where you begin to travel through the realms of this physical creation, back up into the realm of soul. And the spiritual teacher is ever present with you on this journey. And is ever there to guide you, to protect you, to direct you, to ever keep you focused on that path, that straight and narrow path back home to the heart of God. And you will find yourself merging into your spiritual teacher. And through that merging, you will begin to go into the greater knowing of who you are and the greater divine. And from there, you will merge into your own soul. And once you've merged into your own soul and you begin to take flight as the Hunza, as the great swan, traveling through the realms of soul, you begin to see and know who you really are as divine. And you will not stop flying. You will do all you can to just keep going home to God now. I'm coming, God. I'm coming. And you will not look back down. These things down here will not attract you. They will not be important to you. Oh, yeah, you'll still have to come back into your physical body after your meditation and go do whatever that is. But it's not important. It's not everything to you now. What's important is that you do them with love, with caring, with respect, with responsibility. You handle your life and you are with other people in that same quality of loving and forgiveness and acceptance so that you as the Hunza, as the swan, as the soul can continue flying home free and not anymore in bondage here. Does that all make sense? So just allow yourself to begin to hold a focus. And if you ever need a reminder, look at that and be reminded of who you are. You know, back in 1983, some people kept telling me that I needed to meet somebody that lived in Houston. And I go, well, I never go to Houston. I don't know when I'm ever going to meet this person. And I never, I just never gave it much attention, and I kind of forgot all about it. And then one day I got a call from Arthur Duway. And he was in Austin, and he was going to be moving here, and he wanted to know if we could get together because he had heard about me, and everybody told him that he needed to meet me. So I thought, well, why not? So we got together, and over a period of time and conversation, he offered to do my portrait for me, and he did. And that portrait was just a wonderful image to have. And I still have it in my office, and I look at it every day. And it's a great reminder of who I am more than just this body. There is a drawing of my body, but then beyond it is all this other that is me beyond this body. And so it's ever a reminder to me that I'm not this body, I'm much, much more, and I can look at it and I can, and I can see it because 
in that painting, he caught a lot of what I would experience in my meditations at that time. And so for me, that painting has always served a wonderful place of outer focus to remind me of who I am. And I realized that in order to really know that, I've got to close my eyes and go inside and connect back into that so that I know that that's true. Looking at it doesn't make it true. But going back into myself and connecting back into that truth, I can open my eyes again and go, yep, it's still there and it's still true. Well, that's how I look at this painting. To me, it's an outer focus. It's a reminder. That's who I am. That's where I'm at. That's where I live and dwell and move from. And it also reminds me that if I really want to know that and be that, I've got to sit down every day and go inside and connect to that truth. So begin to realize that you want to connect into your soul, not into your mind. The mind is not your solution. The mind will not solve anything. The mind just weaves a web tighter and tighter. It ever is like a vice just clamping down more and more. I can remember when I was meditating. I started meditating under my first spiritual teacher when I was 18 years old. And so I was moving from my practice of prayer into this focused meditation that he was giving me. And I can remember feeling this, this belt, this vice just kind of gripping when I would try to meditate. And it would be right over my third eye and just right around. And the more I would go into this practice of meditation, the tighter it got. Well, I'm going, this isn't the right kind of meditation because it's not working. So I called him up and I says, I think you've given me the wrong meditation for me because every time I do this, I just feel this belt, like this metal belt clamping around my head. And he said, kind of like what the Indians wear with where they hold the feather up. And I go, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like a band around my head. And he goes, that's your mind. That's the cap or the top of your mind just trying to hold you in place. Just relax, and you'll find you, that you'll relax and, and sort of go smaller than the band, and then you'll slip above it, and then it won't hold you anymore. And I went, oh, okay. And that's what you do with the mind. You don't push against it. You don't try to stop it. You don't try to figure it out. And you don't live in it. You just relax. And you go into the smallness of the spirit of who you are. And you slip right up through that vice and into the place above the mind. And then you're free. It's that simple. And yet it's not in a way because we're so, I don't want to even say addicted to the mind. We just think that we are the mind. And therefore, we don't know how to go beyond it. And the mind's not going to let you know you can go beyond it, because if it did, and as soon as you do, it loses power. It loses authority. I'm going to kind of close with this statement. And it's, it's an interesting statement to think about. And it goes like this. Well, now that it just left. <laughs> that was good for me. <laughs> it's the mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. 
It's a terrible master over the soul when the soul is trapped in it. But it is a wonderful servant of the soul when the soul has risen above it and the soul can use it as an instrument of experience and expression. So realize, are you a slave to the mind? If the mind is your master, that means you are a slave. And are you really wanting to be a slave? Think about the story of Exodus. Think about Moses taking all those slaves out of the lands of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, so that they could move to the promised land, so that they could move to their freedom. And realize that that's the story. That's the story. And this is someone's rendition of that journey into freedom, of awakening into that land of milk and honey, the upper room, the promised land, the higher country. It has so many different names. So realize that ultimately you are the master of the mind. You soul or master of the mind. It's for you to wake up into that and take charge and let the mind be your servant. Not a slave. You don't want to make it a slave. That's not who the soul is. But the soul will make it a servant so that the soul can continue to have experience, expression, manifestation here in these realms as long as the soul needs to be here. And then you really will wake up to the fullness of your own creative imagination, the expression of your emotional nature, and the mind. And you will see it all fall into alignment with the soul. And through the physical body, all of that will manifest in harmony. And your life will be so different than it has been before that awakening and before that alignment. And once that happens, you will do everything you can, called meditate every day, as long as you can, not to go back into the old way. And I can remember the day when I rose through and up beyond that vice. The energy just kind of collapsed on itself. And I heard the mind, in a sense, go, oh, shit, he's gone. <laughs> Literally, I heard that. And there was a part of me that went, I win, I win. <laughs> and then I was back down, and the vice was on me again, and I realized that that energy of competition or that energy of I win was a charged energy. And I got caught back in the polarity. And the mind went, oh, good, I got him. <laughs> but now I knew I could get out. Now I knew I could get above it. Now I knew I could get free. And so allow yourself to be in meditation and just be there. Don't go for experience. Don't try to figure anything out. Don't try to make something happen. And see what you experience. It's different for each of us, and yet it's all the same. In these regions of spirit, it's all the same. 
You will wake up and you will know yourself as soul. You will look, and you may not see the Hunzas every day. You will see soul. You will see loving. You will see that divine flow of love moving towards God, and you will know you are part of that, ever coming back into the divine oneness. So thank you all for letting me share a little bit about that, and thanks for sharing about your experience with this. I think that's wonderful. It's, it's, I think you all put it in better words than I did, really. So thank you. And I guess we'll see you all next Tuesday.